Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Norwegian Joy this week about a week in the haven during one of the busiest cruise weeks of the year, Thanksgiving week. Scott's coming up to share that adventure with us. And staff writer Richard Sims is waiting in the wings with Cruise News. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. Hey, Princess Cruise Ship ran into a little bit of a problem with their scheduled departure over the weekend. Yeah, the Crown Princess ran into kind of an unusual situation out in San Francisco. The ship was supposed to leave on Tuesday, but the company was informed that because of a combination of accumulated silt and unusually low tides, they wouldn't have the required keel clearance to dock and allow passengers to board. Um, Luckily, they got this information enough in advance that over the weekend, they were able to inform people that there was a problem, and and they told them, you know, we're not going to be departing until 6.30, so adjust your arrival time accordingly. Unfortunately, the process took longer than it was expected, so people who arrived expecting to embark and, you know, depart at 6.30, as they were told, were actually kept waiting another five hours, and the ship didn't really leave until, like, 1.15 in the morning. Princess says that they tried keeping people comfortable, providing snacks. They even made arrangements at, like, um, a local Hyatt for uh, a space for people to hang out over there, because there was, like, 1,500 people waiting to board. They also gave everyone $25 on board credit, but a lot of people, you know, said that that wasn't really enough to compensate for the inconveniences they were put through. But uh, as far as I know, they haven't changed that. They stuck with the $25 and, you know, eventually everybody got on board and they did depart. But it was, it was a kind of a awful couple of hours for, especially if you know, you have elderly people that you're traveling with or kids, you know, five, five hours sitting in a terminal is not a lot of fun as you know, mostly from airport terminals. (laughs) Yeah. So keel clearance, that is, that has to do with the the ship sitting on the bottom and it's not nothing to do. It's nothing to do with the golden great, the golden gate bridge, right? And the clearance under that, it's more of at the dock when it's coming into debark passengers. Right, exactly. It sounded like they had to do maybe some dredging um, Mm -hmm. in order to, again, it wasn't just the silt. It was also that they're having really low tides. Mm -hmm. And so you combine those two things and they just didn't, basically there wasn't enough water for them to sail the ship in. So it's not like this was something that Princess had any real control over. Um, They did the best they could under a difficult circumstance, it sounds like. Remember during the shutdown, we kept saying, oh, this cruise line's canceling again and went on for like uh, 18 months. Well, it feels like this next story is kind of along the same lines. We have a cruise line planning to do a three and a half year trip, but this one uh, is a little different than the past stories. Yeah, this time they actually have a ship. 
no, this isn't another story about life at sea. Yes, that three-year cruise is still dead in the water, so to speak. But this time around, a company called Villa V Residences, which interestingly enough is controlled by many of the same people who were at Life at Seas, but who left before the whole thing fell apart. Anyway, this new company is planning a three and a half year sailing because three years wasn't enough. It'll depart in May of next year. And unlike Life at Sea, this company actually went out and got themselves a ship that people can sail on. They went to Fred Olson Cruises and purchased a ship that was formerly the MS Bramer. And they're renaming it the Villa V Odyssey. The vessel in question has been around since the mid-90s, and it was owned by a whole slew of different people. It was passed around, you know, like a, 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 a joint at a good party. And it was eventually bought in 2001 by Fred Olson. Some changes will be made. They're going to take um, – this new company will take possession of the ship in February, and it will start sailing in May. And there will be some changes made before then. For example, there's two pools on the top deck, and they're going to be combined into one deck, into one bigger pool so that people can actually swim laps. And they'll be adding a couple of more jacuzzi tubs. There were two originally, and now they're going to add two more, so there'll be four. Uh, the company says that the ports they visit, they'll be staying anywhere from two to seven days. So there'll be like extended stays in the ports. They also, they kind of took some of the stuff they learned at Life at Seas by listening to the people and what they really wanted and what changes they would have had made if that company had been able to get, you know, a ship and start sailing. And they've made those adjustments in, in this particular company. So for example, if you don't want to spend the entire three and a half years at sea, you can book smaller segments of the itinerary. The shortest segment you can book is 35 days. I think there's a couple of 35 days. There's like 110 day, whatever. The plan is that this initial three and a half year cruise will lead to another and another, meaning people can actually live on board. Um, they're estimating that the lifespan of this ship is another 15 years. So you can actually buy your cabin for that length of time you're, you're buying once you buy it you are buying it for the for the life of the ship basically but unlike life at sea you can also choose to rent which means you can pay month to month as opposed to having to lay out a much larger amount of cash in order to flat out buy that was another thing that people at life that, that were booking on life at sea said they wish they could do was rent as opposed to own and of course you know it's going to cost you more money to rent and you don't have quite as many privileges um like if you buy your stateroom you can then sublet it but you can, i don't think you can do that if you're renting but it, it does give you the option of doing this without having to lay out quite as much money as you would have to buy. All in all, I mean, you know, I've been very skeptical of these things. I was certainly skeptical of life at sea from the beginning. But this this group actually seems to have their crap together. So I have much higher hopes that if you decide to, um, you know, take, take a chance and roll the dice on this one, that you'll actually get on a ship. I don't know, maybe don't sell your house until you're actually on board and everything's settled, but it does seem like this one knows what they're doing. The rental option sounds neat. I was reading you could actually rent one for $89 a night for an inside cabin or $199 for a balcony. Not a bad, kind of an Airbnb on the sea. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, because you can do 35 days and that's, you know, you could even consider doing the 35 days as a, you know, do like a rental 
for a month and a half or mm-hmm. whatever before you decide, is this ship something that I want to live on for the next three years and then buy your cabin? You know, there's, they should have a rent to own, you know, like, like remember the old rent to own stores? I don't even know those exist anymore, but you know, you'd get a couch that was worth $250 and you would pay $50 a month for it for the rest of your life. They should yeah. do the same thing here. Like let you rent to own a stateroom. Getting 45 years out of a cruise ship is pretty optimistic, I guess, depending on the maintenance, but I don't know for 99 grand, not a bad investment, I guess. Yeah. Part of me agrees with you. Although this is one of those ships that I think this is, if I'm not mistaken, it's one of the ships that at some point right before it joined Fred Olson, like wasn't just renovated, but was expanded. Like, you know, they stretched it and put another middle section in and they Mm -hmm. did massive. I feel like this ship has been really, really, really well taken care of. So, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe they can get another 15 years out of it. And a Carnival Cruise Line ship was in the right place at the right time on Tuesday night. Yeah, that's right, Doug. The Carnival Vista was on a six-night sailing out of Port Canaveral when they picked up a distress signal. They coordinated with um, the Carnival Fleet Operations, which is based in Miami, and eventually the Coast Guard was looped in. And once the, the ship managed to rescue six men who wound up floating in a lifeboat after a cargo ship capsized. The Vista's captain and crew, um, you know, based on the information they got from the people they brought on board, then reached out to the Coast Guard, said that there were six other people missing. Uh, Vista was given permission to leave the site and continue on her way. Uh, This was off the coast of the Dominican Republic, and I believe she was heading to Amber Cove the next morning. Uh, And because of the information they relayed to the Coast Guard, another six additional people were rescued. So while Carnival only took credit for rescuing six people, they actually were responsible for saving a dozen lives on Wednesday. That's such a great story. Yeah. And another private island destination may be in the works. Maybe. You know, it's a little unclear at this point, but earlier this year, ships from Celebrity Cruises started visiting Perfect Day uh, on occasion. And this isn't terribly surprising because both Perfect Day and Celebrity are owned by Royal Caribbean International. So it's all under the same corporate umbrella. But for a few years now, as private islands and private destinations have grown in popularity and cruise lines have kind of figured out that it's really profitable because instead of dumping them off to go on shore excursions that somebody else gets the money, if you can keep them on your private destination, that is money that's coming into your pocket. So as they were figuring that out, they've been looking for a second destination and they kind of have been been poking around and doing some investigating into the possibility of opening something in Freeport. Now, the Bahamas Tribune, which is a local news outlet, is reporting that negotiations might be underway for several very, very large properties in Freeport, including the Xanadu Beach and Hotel. Um, that would make sense given that Royal Caribbean has been kind of targeting Freeport for a major renovation as a as a whole over the last few years. So having a resort destination where they could like, you know, put up a water park and guests of both Royal Caribbean and Celebrity could hang out at this new resort when the ship is in Freeport, that makes a lot of sense. And it would help them make Freeport, you know, I've never been to Freeport, um, but I've I've sort of gotten the impression that it's not the most amazing port stop of all time. In fact, I'm going there uh, in January uh, during my Carnival cruise. What what should I expect to find in Freeport as of now? 
Not a damn thing. <laughs> so I guess this would be a good investment because, you know, that would give them another place to visit. And, and obviously the Bahamas is so close to Florida, which is, um, you know, one of the biggest ports as we're about to talk about in a minute. Um, some of the biggest ports in the world are located there. So this would make sense to have a destination in Freeport and make it a place people actually want to go. And also it's interesting that they're in renegotiations because remember we reported on this right before the shutdown happened back in March of 2020. Remember Royal Caribbean was going to buy the Grand Lacayan Resort in Freeport. Oh yeah. And then that just felt, yeah, that fell to crap during the pandemic because of just a hemorrhaging money thing. So um, cool to see them and it'll be east of the cruise port, which is actually, actually in the same area ish of uh, where Carnival's building as well. No, so Freeport could in the next couple of years become, you know, the next hotspot. Just when a cruise port breaks a passenger record, they outdo themselves again. You know, sometimes when you hear numbers related to cruising, they're almost impossible to kind of wrap your head around. This is one of them. In this case, we're talking about Port Miami, which saw just under 7.3 million cruise passengers pass through between October of 2022 and September of 2023. So basically in that year. That's an increase of of just under 500,000 people. And this is, we're talking over pre-pandemic records. So it's not like year to year. It's what their records were before the pandemic and what the record was between, and what numbers they reached between 2022 and 2023. And what's kind of crazy is this. That's only the number of passengers passing through this single port. That's not including like New York City or Galveston or Jacksonville or Mobile or any of the other ports in the United States, not to mention those around the world. 7.3 million people. That's that's crazy to me. And Miami's not slowing down by any means. They are I believe there are I think there's seven terminals there right now and there are more on the way. MSC is building a terminal and Royal is building a new terminal. All in all the port covers 520 acres. So it seems safe to say that they will probably continue to do record breaking numbers. But they're also making changes which will help reduce emissions, which is obviously really important for the environment. They're going to start moving toward having the ability for ships to use shore power while docked, which is huge and something that um, it's an expense. It's, It's really expensive to do that, to put in that technology. But I think it's important and I think it's something we're going to see more and more ports, not only in the United States, but around the world doing as as the efforts to sort of help make cruising as environmentally friendly as possible happen. Pondering out loud here, but if you're doing shore power, aren't you just deferring the electricity? So instead of burning it from the ship, you're burning it from, say, a coal plant or another plant? Well, I think it kind of depends. Like, for example, you know, if you want to take it to the extreme... Maybe we can imagine a time when, given that it's Florida in this particular case, there are enough solar panels to be able to provide the power, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like it doesn't have to be coal powered energy. It can be, it can come from all kinds of sources. So hopefully they're, they're sort of negating, you know, they're making sure that they're, they're not creating a new problem by doing this. Uh, it, it seems like a definite move in the right direction, at least as far as I can tell. <laughs> I was at an airport the other day 
I can't remember the airport, but the sign said at the receptacle at the seat in the waiting area that the solar or the power was coming from solar, which I thought was kind of cool. Amazing. I've never seen that before. I I love hearing about that kind of thing. You know, I want us to be, I want to travel, but I also want us to be as environmentally friendly as possible. And those two things often seem like they're at loggerheads, but I think moving forward, they don't necessarily have to be. At least I hope not. And our last story here, well, I'll let you break the news on this one. Thanks. <laughs> okay, folks, remember, I am just the messenger, but it looks like, brace yourselves, Royal Caribbean is ending its partnership with Ben & Jerry's. That's right. You'll no longer be able to get your fix of Chunky Monkey or Jerry <laughs> Garcia while on Royal Caribbean. The company sent a note to travel agents informing them of the change, which should go into effect fleet-wide by the end of the year. The note said that Ben & Jerry's would be moving out. Okay, that's, that's their joke, not mine. To make room for what they called, quote-unquote, something sweeter. I'm pretty sure that what they mean by that is, quote unquote, something cheaper. Because, you know, partnerships like the one they have with Ben and Jerry's usually come with a price tag attached, which is why you see them come and go. Like they they use it for a while to get some attention. Like, you know, oh look, now we have Ben and Jerry's on our ships. Or well, another great example for for a long time um, Royal Caribbean had a partnership with DreamWorks, which is why I was subjected to the nightmarish sight of Shrek and Fiona dancing to Gangnam Style <laughs> on Anthem of the Seas. I, there was no amount of alcohol that could wipe that from my mind, especially when Shrek, a child, came towards Shrek and Shrek tripped and fell over the child and it was just it was screams and terror and nightmare everywhere and I dream about this at night. In any case, and it's not just Royal Caribbean. Other lines have had this kind of thing too, where you know they they form a partnership and maybe they open a restaurant that bears the name of a chain for a while, and then once the novelty of that has gone away, they end the partnership. They keep the restaurant and they keep serving basically the same food, but it's just no longer being tied by that you know that expensive partnership and the name of that. So sorry, but. Ben and Jerry's, you'll have to just get it at home. <laughs> awesome. More for their bottom line. You know, and I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. No, uh, and, and if they're able to replace it with something delicious and wonderful, you know, um, I was reading on, I think on the Royal Caribbean blog, they were speculating that what they will put there is similar to what they're putting on new icon of the seas, which of course, you know, will be after this. And so it won't have the Ben and Jerry's, but they do have plans for something called, I want to say sprinkles as an ice cream joint. Maybe that'll be what they do across the fleet, you know, and just start marketing their own cheaper brand. Fun. Cherry Garcia. All right. Staff writer, Richard Sims. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. I'll be there. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah. Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. The world is constantly changing. Your place for news is still the same. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. Scott and his family just returned from a seven-night cruise aboard Norwegian Cruise Lines and Norwegian Joy. It was out of Port Miami, and it went over to the Western Caribbean. Scott joins us back on Cruise Radio. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing excellent, Doug. How are you doing? Good, man. I'm excited to talk about Norwegian Joy. We haven't uh, discussed this ship in a little while, so... Um, Excited to talk to you about the ship and see how she's uh, how she's doing these days. So with that said, we'll uh, take a step back before we get to her and get some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to sail this seven-night cruise out of Miami? Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it was a big decision for us. We're normally uh, Royal Caribbean uh, predominantly. Most of our cruises are on that. This was cruise number 30 for me, so we've done an awful lot of cruises. But we wanted to try something different. Um, we enjoy uh, a lot of times with the suites on Royal Caribbean. So we really wanted to, uh, we heard a lot of people talking about the, the Haven and, the, and that experience. And so we wanted to you know, test the waters and uh, see what it would be like to try out the Haven, try out a new cruise line. Um, and also more importantly, uh, enjoy Thanksgiving <laughs> with the family. So that's what it's Thanksgiving all differently. Go on a cruise. Absolutely. So let's jump right to it. Then you make your way to Port Miami. You had a Haven cabin. So how did the embarkation work for you? Yeah, and we so there was some good, good, good aspects to it, and some not so good, I guess. You know, the, uh, the definitely they've got uh, um, a, a designated place where the Haven you you meet someone outside of the building, and then they walk you through and, and into. They have a separate security check line for even you know scanning and check bags. That's that's just for the Haven. So that was really nice. So that skipped that big line, um, and then they have uh, the the check in counters. Uh, so they we did that very quickly. Uh, there was a little bit of line uh, with other Haven guests checking in, but it was pretty smooth there. Uh, they've got a lounge that they take you up to. Um, where they have a little, you know, light hors d'oeuvres. Um, and then from there, uh, then they have, uh, I guess, uh, Haven folks escort you from there onto the ship. And that's where it got a little different. There was a very large group that they were escorting. And we somehow got disconnected and all of a sudden looked around and we lost our guide and weren't sure where to go. So we just kind of followed the group and you know, just ended up uh, walking on board by ourselves. Man, you lost the leader. So you go on board the ship. When you're uh, embarking Joy, are you going through a separate in uh, entrance into the Haven, or are you embarking with everyone else? It seemed to be a separate entrance. Uh, you know, for, you know, if you think about a ship with a, 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 an aft boarding area mm -hmm. and then a forward boarding area, it looked like the majority of people that were boarding were going in the aft section. Uh, they took us up to the forward section, which is a longer walk up there which seemed to either be just for Haven, uh, but I wasn't 100% clear if that's really what that was only for. Uh, but we boarded in the forward section of the boarding area. 
um, uh, into an area that was right adjacent to a set of ele- the forward elevator elevators on the ship. If you're staying in the Haven, when you board the ship, are your staterooms ready or do you have to wait until like one thirty or two, like everyone else? Uh, that's a good question. The staterooms are definitely ready for those passengers that um, have their Haven rooms that are adjacent to the Haven area on the deck 17. Um, our Haven cabin was on deck 14. Um, and so the deck 14 wasn't ready because it's a mixture of Haven and non-Haven cabins. However, we happened to run, uh, come across, um, you know, a, a crew member and kind of asked them and show them we were in the Haven and we just opened up the door, um, and walked to our cabin. And so we kind of, kind of got access. It was basically ready. Uh, so it seemed like we should have been able to, but, um, uh, that thing that was our experience. I'm curious about your cabin because you mentioned that you were not in the actual Haven area, but kind of on the outside hallway. So what is these, like, are the cabins the exact same? You just have to kind of take that extra step to get into the Haven complex. Yeah. it's a, I mean, the, the Haven cabins that are outside of the Haven area are fairly close to the, um, uh, you know, for the, for us, you know, fairly close to the elevator mm-hmm. area. So it's a fairly easy access from your room up, you know, up the stairs or up the elevator. Um, I would imagine if you were in Haven, there are Haven cabins that are all the way forward and then a Haven cabins that are all the way aft. They call them aft facing. Uh, we were in a, uh, what they call in the Haven penthouse, uh, which is basically, uh, a, a, a pretty standard, um, you know, cabin and a half, you know, size, uh, size cabin. Um, but yeah, otherwise you're, you're just, you're in the hallway with everybody else and, um, you just have to you know go up a few flights of stairs to get to the Haven. So I got to ask how was living the penthouse life for your whole voyage? Would you like it throughout the week? I would say that's just a name added to it, <laughs> to, to, like I said earlier, I'm a, a, a Royal Caribbean person. Uh-huh. So I think about cabins the way that they name them. Uh, you know, so when I think about it, you know, my my comparator is a junior suite. Uh, so it's basically a junior suite cabin, you know, size as you know, when you think about Royal Caribbean for anyone that's familiar with that. Um, and, but it was really nice. I really enjoyed enjoyed the layout that they did. Um, it was very wide, lot, you know, a lot of space. Uh, I liked, the, you know, how, how things were organized in there. Uh, the bathroom was very, very large, um, the large area with the couch and some extra chairs small table, which we utilize heavily for eating in the room, um, but a very large bed, very nice, you know, accommodations in there, uh, two TVs, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and then you know, a fairly decent size uh, balcony um, because the cabin is uh, basically one and a half regular balcony size. So it's wide, uh, but I got the sense that Norwegian's cabin or balconies were not as deep as what I had used to. Uh, but we had a lounger out there uh, facing sideways and two chairs. So, you know, a lot of, lot of room out there as well. Was there much of a price point difference, whether you're staying outside of the Haven complex or inside? Did you happen to notice? Um, my take on that, Doug, would to say that those cabins that are, and I don't know this 100%, but those cabins that are up in the, you know, adjacent to uh, the Haven area, are the larger ones, you know, one bedroom, two bedroom, you know, kind of size. Um, I don't know if the you know, the size slash category that we selected you know, had a haven, you know, had a room up adjacent to the haven, or if those would only be, you know, you know on in, in an area that, you know, outside the haven area. 
Let's talk about dining on the ship. Now, I just got off of Norwegian Viva, so I know it's something different. It's totally escaping my mind because they call it so many things on different ships. But how was the buffet area? <laughs> it wasn't too bad. Um, it, it's an interesting, a lot of the foods in the when you first walk in area, I, I thought the variety was decent, but not that great. Uh, my wife kind of commented that they were you know, looking for more options and they weren't they weren't there. Uh, from a seating capacity, lots and lots of room. Uh, the first, if you walk all the way to the back of the the buffet area, uh, there's no food back there. It's very quiet, lots of seats. So you know, so it kind of seemed to accommodate people really well. Um, I just didn't think the the food variety was that great. Uh, but the food that we did have, a couple breakfasts and one lunch, uh, you know, wasn't the food quality was was very decent. I realize you have the Haven restaurant when you're staying in the Haven, so you really don't have to dine in one of their main dining rooms per se. Um, but did you go down there and eat uh, amongst the commoners uh, during your time in the Haven? Mostly in the Haven restaurant, but you know, because we were experiencing a new cruise line, I didn't want to just sit in one area. I really wanted to, you know, at least you know test out different things. Um, my my for the Haven restaurant itself, we did not have brunch or breakfast or lunch in there. We ate most of our breakfasts in the room. We took advantage of the butler, you know, delivering room service, yep. uh, which is basically the Haven menu, uh, you know, that you would get up there. Uh, mostly we had three or four dinners uh, up there. I thought it was okay. Um, service was very slow. Um, they had an indoor area and an outdoor area. We enjoyed sitting on the outside um, uh, in the Haven restaurant just to get some fresh air and, and that, that type of thing. So I thought that was really good. Uh, Food-wise, I particularly didn't think it was that great. Um, and pretty much every steak meal that I had was incorrectly cooked, so I had a lot of challenges uh, with that. My wife really enjoyed the variety that was there. Um, you know, but I particularly didn't, but, you know, food is very, very subjective sure. <laughs> as we know. And, um, you know, but the, the service was a big thing for me. It wasn't as great as I was expecting, um, you know, as far as the Haven restaurant was concerned. Did you do any specialty dining venues? Uh, yeah, we did, uh, the French restaurant, which is Le Bistro. Um, we did that one and that was excellent. I really enjoyed where we, we had a really great location in the, that restaurant. Service was outstanding. Uh, food was very, very good. Uh, really, really enjoyed that. You know, the, the way Norwegian does their packaging, you, with the most packages, you get at least a, uh, a two, two tickets, quote unquote, to go to the, uh, specialty restaurant. And we, we decided to try the bistro and, and that was a really good choice for us. Any other restaurants? Uh, we did not. Um, you know, it looked probably a lesson learned with Norwegian is if you really, really want to think you might do, um, more than what they offer with the standard package, consider upgrading uh, before your cruise. Because once you're on your cruise, if you want to go to Cagney's or or the Italian restaurant or the other ones that they offer, um, you know it's it's a la carte pricing, and a la carte pricing would be is very expensive. Uh, they gave us the receipt for Le Bistro, um, and that receipt would have been one hundred seventy dollars if for the two of us. If we had paid all our card pricing for what we ended up eating um, there, which was basically an appetizer, um, you know, an entree, a soup, and and a dessert, so it was interesting to look at a la carte pricing approach as opposed to you just pay a fixed amount per person to you know to experience it, and then you get to eat whatever you want. 
I was noticing when I was at Cagney's on Viva, if you have the specialty dining package, yeah, it's totally worth going. But if you're paying those a la carte prices, you could realistically eat at Ruth Chris or a Morton's cheaper. Because the Haven uh, restaurant wasn't really a great experience for us. Um, I wanted to try Cagney's and I wanted to try, I think it's uh, Ocean Blue, I think is another one, the seafood one that they have on board. Uh, but just looking at the the a la carte pricing, it just it, it from a dollar's perspective, it's like, well, I'm going to be happy and you know you know have food elsewhere, and that's when we ultimately tried out the the main dining room a couple nights as well. I'm trying to think back to my sailing on Norwegian Joy last March, uh, or not Joy, rather uh, wherever the hell I was, getaway, and. The dining room menu was the same every night in the Haven restaurant. And I know downstairs it was like that, but some ships are still rotating. What was it like on your sailing? The first night we ate in the main dining room was actually Thanksgiving Day. Um, one of the things we were looking to understand is what was being offered, especially on the Thanksgiving Day. And we, um, the Haven basically said it's the standard menu, but we're going to offer you a turkey as an additional thing you want. And it really didn't wow us. So when we went to the, they gave us the main dining room and they had a lot more additional Thanksgiving related entrees and appetizers and desserts. Um, you know, so we ended up uh, uh, choosing the main dining room there and ended up eating Thanksgiving. So it was kind of different than the standard menu uh, that day. Um, and then I looked at one other, the, the next night we looked at and, and ate there. Um, it was also seemed to be a better offering or different offering than what we were seeing at the in the Haven restaurant. How was the entertainment on board this seven night cruise? It was okay. Uh, we only saw two shows. We saw Elements, um, and uh, which everybody recommended to do, and I thought that was you know fairly decent, well done um, production, typical you know, cruise line production show. Thought that was really good, and then they had two acrobatic type. Uh, uh, performers. It was another show that we saw. Uh, the uh, NCL had recently announced, uh, and it, it just went into effect a couple weeks before we got on the cruise, that the, the Broadway show that they had on there, Footloose, uh, they stopped that uh, basically, I think, at the end of October, early November. Uh, so we, we weren't able to see you know that production. So there was actually less activity or entertainment on our show, on our cruise than what they had normally had previously. Okay, so it's your first Norwegian cruise line sailing. You've done all the cool stuff on Royal Caribbean. Tell me you did the go-karts. We did. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, we did that early on. The Haven helped us get reservations. Uh, one of those benefits that you know was very helpful. Uh, my only comment related to the, the go-kart experience was um, you, you have a reservation time. And then from that time, you, we had about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minute wait. Uh, once we were there, they, they cycle through things. So the wait time, once you have your appointment, uh, was more than I, I would have expected or would have liked. I would have rather had an appointment and been able to do the experience you know, within a fairly short period of time. But, uh, but actually the experience itself, I thought they handled it very well. You know, you're going to get people that, that don't know how to drive. And we had that. We had Three people ended up stopping things and they had to get out of their cars because they panicked and couldn't do it anymore. So it kind of you know um, affects the experience a little bit. But once they got that sorted out, then they really they reset everything and we got a full full amount of time on there uh, with the people that could drive. And it was a lot of fun and uh, my family really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's so cool. How about laser tag? Did you get a chance? Did not do the laser tag. Okay. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. It's it's outside, which is unique. On it's on the top deck. They got a really neat neat area. Mm -hmm. I think if you you were to do laser tag, the best thing to do would be to do that at night. 
Yeah. Uh, but we didn't get a, we did not do that. It is really cool. I got to do it when the ship came over from because it was built for Asia, then got refurbished in 2019. Yep. And then April, it came over to the West Coast to do Alaska. And I was on one of those first sailings. And I got to say, that was my first time ever doing laser tag. Well, first, probably since I was a kid, for one, but on a cruise ship. And that was, we did it right as the sun was setting. And it was perfect with the, with the lights and the, the guns would light up and everything. Just really cool. Yeah, I think they did it. Royal also offers it. I think they do it on their bigger ships where the ice rink is at. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, kind of okay. You know, obviously they can darken it uh, any time, day or night. But I, 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 it did look pretty cool. I uh, wish we would have done it. Let's talk about the sea days here as far as crowds and congestion. Of course, you were on one of the busiest sailings of the year for the cruise industry. Uh, how was it in the Haven? We'll start up there since you were booked there. You know, it's very large, you know, both the 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 pool that's, that's designated for the Haven area. It's a small pool. It's an, uh, it is covered. Uh, they can you know remove the cover or, or open or close it. It was closed our entire cruise, so it kind of stayed air conditioning. It was moderately uh, popular uh, as far as the, the, but you can always get a, a lounger very easily in that area. Um, and then they got a, a, the next level up, they've got more loungers and then they have a big, huge sun deck um, with even more. So there's a lot of spaces there, a lot of options, whether you want to be inside or outside, um, you know, as far as being, you know, lounging on lounge chairs, you know, you know for, for your day. So we really yeah. enjoyed that piece of it. And I, and I definitely give props to the Haven for having that. Uh, when compared to the way that the 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 main normal the rest of the cruise pool area is that I I found that to be very chaotic chairs everywhere people everywhere very noisy so it was a very big distinct different distinction between you know the pool area in the main part of the ship versus the haven area. Did you happen to notice the smoke situation in or around the casino? I, I know that on those ships, some some of them have a dedicated smoking room or a non-smoking room, while others have a divided port and starboard. Uh, how was it on Joy, and was it very noticeable? That's a good question. Uh, there was the casino is located on deck seven, you know, so their main atrium area. I'll use that term was like six, seven, and eight, so it was on the middle, you know, middle of those three decks that they where they have a lot of restaurants, a lot of bars, and then a lot of shops. Uh, when you're walking in that area, you get no purposely walk through the casino. Um, and it, 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 you can smell it, certainly, but it wasn't, to me, bad. I was very impressed with the fact that it was such an open space mm-hmm. that you could have, you know, the, the smoke could have um, made its way into a lot of other areas, down to six, up to eight. Uh, but it really, really didn't. And so I was impressed by that. As I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, this is like the largest, the busiest cruise week of the year or one of two of them. Did it feel that it was sailing at 110% capacity? It did. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, multi-generation, you know, a lot, you know, a lot of older, you know, you know, very much, you know, a, a Thanksgiving family cruise, mm-hmm. uh, kind of overwhelmed. You know, I've got uh, my kids are 10 year old and 14 year old. So the 14 year old in the teen area, it's a very small teen area. You know, and they had overflow of that out into another space and they just didn't have as much, you know, kid related activities, uh, you know, there because and then the, in some cases, like the kids club would get to a capacity, you know, and you'd have to go into a queue, a virtual queue you know, like Disney has, um, you know, waiting to, to be able to have your kid, you know, you know get in there because it, you know, it was very, very busy. Yeah, it sounded like the kids' club was at capacity too. But being a Royal Caribbean family, did your kids give you any feedback about the kids' club uh, about the kids' club and the programming? 
Uh, basically, you know, a lot more to do on Royal than there was on Norwegian was the consistent comment we got from the kids. Gotcha. Okay. So let's talk about the ports of call you went to on this one. You did Roatan. You did their private destination, Harvest K. And I can't read my writing. Was it Costa Maya in Cozumel? That's correct. All right. So talk to us about Roatan. Uh, first one was uh, Roatan, uh, Honduras. Uh, we booked uh, through pro- uh, a private company. Um, a, uh, a sloth monkey, you know, kind of tour, uh, that also toured around the, 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 the island, uh, with, with some rum experience and chocolate experience. Um, I, I don't, didn't purposely book it, but it ended up being a private, uh, type of experience. So we just had a driver, um, and the, 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 the four of us and he took us everywhere. It was one of the best experience. We had done the sloth experienced several years ago when we were in the first time but we it was a different place that we went to uh we got there early we beat the crowds uh and just had a really really great time um just you know experiencing the different animals at the at that location and then getting to see pretty much the entirety of the of, of the island uh, that he drove us around uh stopped and took us a little few out of the way places and uh you know bought some local rum instead of the the, the the tourist run place <laughs> you know that kind of thing and mm-hmm. um you know found a nice place for for lunch uh, in town which was awesome so it was, it was a really good experience your next port of call was harvest key harvest k however they pronounce it how was that like what did you think of it and then if you're comparing that to labadee is it about the same as far as experience wise or would you prefer one over the other uh, good question. So with uh, Harvest K, we booked through the cruise line a snorkel um, experience. So that's kind of what the first thing we did. We got off the ship um, and uh, uh, we went and did that. There's a marina right there that you go to and you caught the uh, boat. There was like 40 people on there. So it's a very large excursion. But they once we got to the, the snorkel area, they broke us up into small groups. And so that was a really good experience. Great crew, uh, that was, uh, you know, doing that for us. So we had that part of it was really, really enjoyable. Um, then once we got off of that, uh, uh, there's a, there's a, when you compare it to, you know, Royals, two private islands, Labadee versus perfect day at Kirk Okay. Belize one has a pool like Coco Cay does. Uh, Labadee doesn't have a pool; it just has uh, you know uh, ocean swimming. Uh, so we we enjoyed swimming in the pool there. Um, and as far as activity wise, I would say Labadee and um, Perfect Day at Coca K, which obviously has the most uh, that I've ever experienced as far as stuff to do. Mostly, it was just uh, the either swimming in the regular pool or hanging out on the beach, you know, in the ocean. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but on Harvest uh, with NCL, even if you have the drink package, you still have to purchase drinks separately when you're on the destination itself because it's ran by Belize businesses. Yeah, that's correct from a drink perspective. And I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but it couldn't. I think that's even true for food. Okay. Um, if he wanted to, you know, to eat as well, there, there was a very nice restaurant. You know, that I would say, you know, Harvest K had a very, um, you know, uh, all-inclusive resort kind of feel. Everything was very well manicured and in really clean, really good shape. So I thought was very impressed with that. But obviously with that team, you know, uh, you, you had to pay for food. Like you said, you had to pay for drinks. 
you know, so that part of the experience when compared to, um, you know, private island experiences I've had uh, on other cruise lines, you know, that one, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily like that piece of it. Uh, but as far as, you know, the, the pool swimming areas, I thought it was excellent. With Costa Maya, the captain sure earned their pay docking there this time of year because it couldn't be challenging with the winds in the fall. Um, did you have any docking issues and how was your day there? Day was good. The only two ships in, so it wasn't super crowded. That was uh, um, very beneficial. Uh, they got in early, so I didn't, it didn't look like he had any problems getting in or, or getting out. Um, we booked, uh, um, there's a private uh, expat area called Maya Chan. Uh, so we caught a ta- caught their taxi and went out to their private beach area and hung out at Maya Chan um, for the day. It's just a wonderful experience. Uh, we had our own little hut right there on the beach. They served some great food, drinks and stuff like that. And that's what we did in Maya Chan. So that place is really cool and excellent food as well. I've done it twice and a uh, nice couple from California, I think, that run it. But was the seaweed an issue? Both times I was there, it was just horrendous. No, it wasn't too bad. The, the, we were there several years ago, and it, I, I, I did see that it, it, on that day that it was really bad. Uh, but uh, there was just a little bit. Uh, when you, you went out into their swim area, it wasn't bad. And uh, you could tell they do have to keep it clean, but they, they had done a really job keeping it. And there wasn't a lot of, quote, unquote, piled up seaweed <laughs> yeah. you know, that had been too, too bad. So I thought, thought it was pretty good compared to when we, our first time there. Yeah, I felt bad when I was there last time. They had the the workers mm-hmm. out in the water. And I mean, that seaweed was coming ashore just as fast as they were raking it. This year, it wasn't that bad. For That's us, good. So I thought that was good. Good to hear if you're going uh, going down that way. And then your last port of call was Cozumel, Mexico. How was your day there? So it was interesting. We were expected, and my understanding is Norwegian normally docks downtown, which we don't normally do on Royal. So we thought we were going to you know, kind of, you know, get off the ship and uh, go downtown and just kind of do that. But we woke up in the morning, they pulled in, you know, down at the Paradise Pier area where, you know, Carnival and Royal normally, you know, dock, you know, so that, so we basically do our, when we go to Cozumel, which we've been there a lot, um, we had, there's a local restaurant that's nearby there that, you know, so we just get off and walk around. Uh, there's a chocolate experience that my wife and my daughters really love and, we just kind of play local tourists walking around the local area and then got back on the ship. Uh, we didn't do any ex- uh, excursion in Cozumel. That's one thing about Cozumel, though. You can always find something to do, even if you don't have an excursion book. So you had a day at sea, then you're back to debark the ship. How was it? Debark was excellent. Uh, uh, we had breakfast up in the in the haven, put our bags out the night before when we were ready to go. We just what well, they walked us down a, 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 a I'll say it's a private elevator, but it's basically a crew elevator that they take us all the way down. You know, walk us right into the line that gets us off the ship very quickly. And then once you're off the ship, you're just in the in the terminal doing the normal terminal process which went very smooth our bags were easy to find in the priority bag area which was specific for the haven after we got our bags uh we walked out to uh, that particular that norwegian terminal has the facial scan recognition as far as your passport checkout uh, so that was very simple and easy to do and we were off the ship pretty quickly so as we mentioned a couple times throughout the interview, you primarily sail on Royal Caribbean. So do you have any suggestions or any tips for someone sailing either NCL or Norwegian Joy for the first time? 
Um, I think the, the like I said earlier, the if you if you have any interest to have more variety of food experience um, with the, the specialty, is do buy that ahead of time because uh, once you get on the ship, uh, they don't offer the package deal. So uh, definitely uh, do that. Um, if you're in the Haven, I, I, you can get very you can you can really choose to truly be a ship within a ship and stay away from everything. You know, the only downside I found with that is sometimes you really get disconnected from all the other fun cruise activities like trivia and other things like that. So, you know, you do, do make sure that you, <laughs> you step outside the haven occasionally and experience the rest of the, the, the stuff that the cruise is doing. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for your family? Being in the haven, um, I thought the, 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 the quietness, uh, the spaciousness, uh, the different lounges. Um, I thought that was, uh, um, you know, from my experience perspective, from a ship perspective, you know, I will, one thing that we're really, really impressed about, I didn't mention it earlier is deck six is where, or maybe it's eight, I forget what deck it is, where a lot of their, um, especially restaurants are and some bars. What's really great about them is that they, they are inside, but they also have seating outside and they actually have a whole deck on the outside. So there's some bars and seating out there that, that are very quiet, very, you know, so there's what I was going to say. There's just a lot of really nice getaway spaces. Uh, the observation lounge on the ship is also very, very enjoyable. Uh, so I, I did think there was a lot of quiet spaces and that was the one thing that impressed me the most about the ship itself. And in closing, your final thoughts of Norwegian Joy. Yeah, one of the things we <laughs> you try not to do is is do the comparison of uh, you know royal to this or your pre- previous thing. So we we tried to ask ourselves, you know, would we do it again? You know, as our general theme, and you know, we sit in the maybe category around would we do it again? It's a maybe, uh, but definitely, uh, I, if if we were, it would definitely you know do do the haven again. Uh, it was very much enjoyable uh, from just being able to. Uh, be at sea and those types of things in a very quiet space. And and they, they take pretty just decent care of you up there. So I like that a lot. Been speaking with Scott about his Haven experience on Norwegian Joy over Thanksgiving. Scott, always good talking to you, my friend. You too, Doug. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.